Hello and welcome to the Grove Church Podcast. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there, and we are so glad that you're joining us. Whether you are a member and you're just catching up on a sermon that you missed or you're someone who's brand new, we are really glad that you are joining us. And if you are new in some way, and I know that a lot of people will do that, will listen to sermons first before they visit, I want you to know that we would love to meet you at any point. You can join us live in our services on Sunday, 9 and 1030, or our streaming service at 1030. Either way, we would love to be able to get to know you. And regardless of why you are here uh, listening to this sermon today, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, good morning. Uh, If you are new here, I'm Charlie, uh, the lead uh, pastor here at The Grove, and really glad you are worshiping with us today. And as Jason mentioned, we're going to be kicking off our uh, Christmas series here in just a couple of minutes. But before that, if you've been around here the last couple of weeks, you'll know that we are kind of spending some time all the way up through Christmas just kind of highlighting some of the incredible missions and missionaries that we support. We want you to, as the uh, as the people of our church, as, as our partners in financially and personally and, and everything that we're doing here as a church, we want you to feel more personally connected to the awesome people and ministries around the world that we're supporting. So last week we got to meet the Morgans, and this week I would like to introduce you to Victoria and Ronan Anaka. My name is Victoria Onaka, and this is my husband, Ronan. Um, I went to the U of A, and I started attending the Grove my freshman year when I was investigating who Jesus was and trying to decide which God I wanted to follow. I came to faith in the middle of my freshman year through SUMO at U of A, and then I was baptized at the Sunbridge Grove the next year. Um, in 2015, I graduated and moved to India with Sumo, and the Grove was my Sunday church as a single girl. Um, I joined a team in India, and Ronan was on my team. While we were living in India, our team was focused on doing contextual ministry with high caste Hindus with the uh, intent of seeing house churches planted. And in 2019, at the end of 2019, our daughter was born in Delhi and we came back to America when this COVID thing was happening. We made the decision to stay in the U.S. for for the time being. And currently we serve as part of our Stumo headquarters where, you know, the work that we do helps um, empower our campus staff and overseas staff to be more effective and have more time in their harvest field. We want to thank you for your support and your prayers over the past eight plus years. So as a family of almost five, it's just really neat how committed and caring the growth has been through all of those seasons. And um, we're really grateful for the way the growth continues to invest in our ministry and our walks with God. So we're really grateful for you guys and your commitment to us. Yeah, we appreciate y'all. Y'all have, um, had a huge impact on our lives mark and charlie and some individual people in the church and uh, we're just like really grateful for the grove and just your love how you guys have loved us over the years thanks so i got to meet victoria when she was a freshman and uh, this has been uh, probably 12 or 13 years ago and i'll tell you the story um 
she was coming here with her friend Madison, and they were just they just lit up the room, big smiles. It was just a pleasure to have them around. Like she had, she was still exploring whether or not she really wanted to follow Christ, and I was getting to know them, and we had a pretty good relationship. And this was again their freshman year, and this is you gotta have to put yourself here uh, geographically. We're we're going down college, me and my family, um, and we're about to turn left on college onto Joyce. If you know, there's kind of two left turn lanes there, and the, and the one on the far left was all the way backed up, but you could come and move up to this one pretty easily. But we were going to Jason's Deli, okay? If you understand the geography of here, you know the problem. Because in order to turn left, you got to immediately get over and, and turn. But I'm thinking, I just, I'll just gun this person, and I'll be able to get in front of him, it'll be no problem. And I pull up there, and I look over there, and here are these two freshman girls, uh, Victoria and Madison, that I had just met. And I'm like, I don't, what, do, what do I, and they're waving at me like this. And I'm like, okay, I'm, a, I'm about to embarrass myself. And maybe you here, and I just kind of looked at Hottie. He's like, well, I, 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 I got to. And so the light turned green. I gunned it, got in front of them, turned over, into, and then I just felt terrible. And I saw them the next Sunday, and they just kind of looked at me, and I was like, like, you gunned it on us. Like, I know, I know, I know, I know. It was, it was, it was awkward. <laughs> um, but they, I, I, we got to, to know both of them. And again, we got to see Victoria come to Christ and baptize her at the church and then send, send her out as a single woman to do incredible things in Southeast Asia. And we got to be involved. And when she met Ronan and kind of helping them navigate being engaged and getting married, and Heidi and I have been involved with them, their, their entire married life, and Mark has been an incredible mentor to Ronan in a lot of different areas, and for years and years, they've been doing great work for, for God on the other side of the world, and now here, kind of in an admin support role, and now they've gone from this, you know, single freshman girl that I embarrassed myself in front of, and on the way to Jason's Deli, to this, fa- about to be a family of five. And it is your investment and support of them that has allowed them to kind of flourish in this way. And so I want you to feel a part of that. And again, if you were here last week, you know that we launched kind of an end-of-the-year giving campaign that we're doing centered around our missionaries. Over the course of this fiscal year, which runs from July to June, we will give out at least $91,000 to various missions groups, both locally that are helping people who are currently experiencing poverty, to foster care to college ministry to overseas missions and people who live here who are part of our church that are supporting all of these incredible missionaries. And we want you to feel more part of that. So we're trying to raise between now and the end of the year that $91,000 because we want you to feel more directly connected to these incredible things that God is doing through us, through people who've been a part of the church now doing incredible things. And so if you, there's, there's, Again, if you've had a hard time, like for whatever reason, you haven't quite taken that first step towards giving, I think this is a great first step of giving here at the Grove because it really kind of has this multiplying impact. Or there may be some of us who have given a little bit who have been, whatever reason, just hesitant. And I think this is a great next step for a lot of us to kind of invest deeper in the partnership that we have here together as a Grove. And I want to invite Everybody, really. I mean, I think it is a, I think it's a great thing. It's something that our family has practiced, kind of this, this kind of this and one, this plus one kind of attitude towards giving, uh, that 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 just allows us to experience 
the blessing that comes from generosity. So all the information that you need on this is at thegrovechurch.org slash give. And look forward to your continued partnership. And as we bless, as you bless us, and then we're able to bless these incredible people that take the hope of Jesus all over the world. So again, we are starting our Christmas series. And um, there's this phenomenon that we have that I think applies to kind of the way that we think about Jesus, that we, we kind of think of people in like a, like, a, like a singular context. When I say, hey, we're going to talk about Jesus, we automatically think of 30-year-old Jesus with the beard in the desert teaching or doing miracles or those kinds of things, and that's who Jesus is. We don't think of Jesus the teenager or Jesus the toddler. We think of Jesus... As he fully is, you know, and we do this with our parents, right? Our parents, we don't think of our parents. I wonder what my, wonder what my, wonder what my dad was like in kindergarten. Your dad wasn't in kindergarten. He, he was always dad, right? And he, just, he was always dad, right? You don't, you don't think of it like that. You know, the awkward feeling you get, like you got, I don't know if you remember this in the kid, if you ever saw your teacher out in public, like at the store, like not wearing, like we're not wearing teacher clothes. You're like, what, what are you doing? What? Are you, what? This happens to me a lot, right? I'll meet some of your kids somewhere other than here, your house, my house. Uh, it's, it's most disorienting at Walmart or a restaurant. They come to me, the, you can see me like, looking at their parents, look at me like, what are you doing here? Like, I'm just eating. You live at the church though. That's not true. And even if it was, I could still come out to eat every now and then. But there's this one time, this is very recently, and I, can't, I won't say the kid's name because he is currently, uh, he was introduced to our church uh, primarily through the call and just kind of needing to be in foster care for a little bit. Um, I'm at Sam's, and I don't know if you've ever done this. This is, this is too much information. I apologize. My lunch plans get canceled. I'm looking for something quick and cheap for lunch. Man, a slice of pizza and a drink. At Sam's, it's the way to go. It's the way to go. It's cheap. It's quick. It was great. And so I'm in there having lunch by myself really awkwardly at Sam's Club, slice of pizza and a Coke. And this kid comes running up to me, just running up to me, just enthusiastic. Dude. I'm like, what? Dude, I know you. You're from the church. And he hugs me and high-fives me, shaking my hand. I don't think he and I have really had a conversation, but he was so overwhelmingly excited. It was so cute and fun, right? And then they go shopping and real quick, and they come back again. And I'm saying the same level of enthusiasm. Dude, it's you again from the church. And he just hugged me and high-fived again. It was like this great moment. But like it, it, it was kind of a, it's kind of a brain break, and sometimes it's in a bad way, but for him it was like it was a really cool way. And that's kind of the way that Christmas series, really, and the Christmas story kind of function for us because we imagine Jesus really just kind of popping into existence as an adult. And to think of Jesus as a, as a baby. You know, we tell these stories, and really even in the way that we tell the Christmas story, we're talking really about kind of what was happening to everybody else, Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, the wise men, but conceptually thinking about Jesus was a baby that was, that was born. What, what, what does that mean? And we're going to spend some time over the next few weeks kind of leading up to that moment. But we're going to kind of even go back even a little bit further. Because theologically we need to understand and recognize that, that, that Jesus existed before he was a baby. We're calling this series Before He Was Jesus. And Jesus' name is Mama Gave Him. 
but he's existed eternally as the Son of God. And we're going to spend some time not only leading up to examining the story of what does it mean that Jesus became a baby and the power and the beauty of that. But what was this, this man we know as Jesus, what was he up to even before he was born? As the Son of God, what was he doing? And so what we're going to do is we're going to spend some time looking at some different passages that describe kind of what the Son of God was doing before he came to earth as a baby. And we're going to look at kind of what do these stories tell us about, we learn about what he was doing, and then we can also see based on this what he's doing now and, and why he came. And so that's why we're calling it Before He Was Jesus, because we're looking at all the activities and the things that the Son of God was up to before he was born into this world as Jesus. And the first passage we're going to look at is in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, today we're going to be in 15 through 20, and we're going to break it up in a couple of, two parts here. In Colossians 1, starting in verse 15, describing Jesus this way. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Before we look specifically at the things that we're learning here about what the Son of God was doing, I think there's some important theology here that we need to make sure that we're all connected with. Because he's described here first as the image of the invisible God, which is a phrase that can cause a little bit of confusion when you think about an image. Okay, you've got the invisible God, and it says Jesus is his image. It doesn't mean here a photocopy. It doesn't mean here a drawing or something like that, some sort of, some, some, some sort of similarities. What it's talking about is the contrast between God the Father that we think that we know that he does not have a body by which he can be looked at. He doesn't have a physical form. He is invisible. But Jesus is the image. He is in every way who God is. He is fully God, but we can see him. He is an image in that sense. He is, he has, we, uh, God manifested himself in, in someone that we can see. And that image, that is who Jesus is. And so this is not saying that he has some copy or some sort of something that looks like that, but just like the, the God we can actually see. For years and years and years, we, we, we knew about the invisible God, and now Jesus here is the image. Now we can see him. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created. And those two phrases put together can be also a little bit, what? It says that, in, that everything was created by him, but he was the firstborn over creation. Well, how can you be the first? Because it almost makes it sound like, and some cults have kind of interpreted it this way, that Jesus was the first thing created is what this is saying, which is not what it's saying. It's saying that he created everything and he's the firstborn over it. And so to make sure that we fully understand the deep and powerful theology of it, we'll say it this way. Everything that was created, everything was created by him and for him. In him, all things were created. 
when we think about creation, you go to Genesis 1, in the beginning, you know, God created the heavens and the earth, and God said, let there be light. We imagine the invisible God, but we don't really imagine him invisible. You know, it's old man, beard, long hair, robe. Like, we think of God the Father. That is the image that we think of. So it's making it pretty clear here that it was, in fact, Jesus. Jesus was the one that was, 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 the one that was doing the creating. And he created everything. It says, things in heaven, on earth, visible, invisible. All things have been created. Everything that has been created was created by him. But what does it mean that he was the firstborn? Well, it doesn't say he's the firstborn from creation. He's the firstborn over creation. And so what this phrase would, would means, and again, original readers would feel this a lot, a, a lot easier is really kind of the one to whom it all belongs. So if you're the firstborn in your family, everything belongs to you. The land, the, the, the house, the, the cattle, everything. If you are the firstborn over the estate, that means it belongs to you. It, it, it is yours. So he's not firstborn from creation. He is the one for whom all of this belongs. It is his. And again, he makes it, and, and Paul makes this more explicit here in verse 16. It says, All things have been created through him and for him. And I think this is really important. And it's really important for a couple of different reasons for us to kind of expand our idea and belief and understanding of who Jesus Christ is. Because I believe that we do him a huge disservice when we refer to him as a good teacher. When we refer to him as a miracle worker. Now those two things are, in, are, are, are true of him. But very often we use these phrases and these ideas as if they are fully descriptive of who he is. A miracle worker and a teacher, those are things that he does, but it is not who he is. Who he is is the creator of the universe and the one to whom the entire universe belongs. He created it himself and it belongs to him. It was by him and for him. It is his. And so I think it is, I mean, it is important for us to have a big, a big view of Jesus. To not think of him as just a guy who has a lot of wisdom. Because if he's a guy who has a lot of wisdom, then you have a decision to make about, well, you know, I'll just, I'll just kind of decide whether or not I think that what Jesus says is true or not. I'm like, whether or not I'm going to buy into his worldview. Well, his worldview is the worldview. He is the, he is the creator. Everything that exists, exists by his design. And when he speaks about the way this world works, he is speaking uh, not only from experience, but from authority. And so I want us to have this big view of him because I think it's, it was, again, we're not doing him some favor. Well, I think, I think I'll decide. I think I'm going to decide to follow Jesus as if, I mean, this is what he is owed. We worship Jesus because he is the creator of everything. And again, when we specifically think about Christmas, it's a, it's a big enough deal to think about Jesus being a baby. You know, he, that he existed before that and he became a baby. But the bigger, 
Jesus becomes, the more incredible the sacrifice is from him to become a baby. When we think about the sacrifice that Jesus made, we almost exclusively think of what's going to happen at Easter. The sacrifice, the death that he died for us. But this thing that he did that to even begin this, to humble himself, to become a baby, the, the jump from there to here, it's, it's, it's huge. And so then what is our response to this Jesus? And there's a, you know, there's, there's a debate that has been going on between parents and kids. Um, as long as I know, right? Kid gets a little mouthy. I did this when I was a kid. You probably did it too. If your kid's here in the room, you've probably have mouthed off in a very similar way. You're mouthing off to your parents. And you're thinking, you know, I, don't, you know, I, I do what I want. And then they say, boop, I brought you into the world. It's a trump card. It's like, I am the reason you exist. Boom. And, I don't, and, 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 and so it's just like, like it, it feels like a trump card until the, like, the incredibly like, like super sassy. I don't know if you got any super sassies, right? The ones that are like, I didn't ask you to. Right? And, 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 and now we're beefing. Now we're fighting. Like, 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 you're the one that wanted me, you owe me. I didn't, I didn't ask, I didn't ask for this. You wanted me, you owe me. No, 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 I gave you everything, you owe me. And then we have this sort of entitlement battle. And I bring that up because I, with respect to Jesus, there should be no entitlement battle. Everything that is good Everything that is good that you love, Jesus created. And the thing that I love about Jesus is even though he has all of this entitlement, he could play all of the cards of authority and purpose and, and power. Those aren't the cards he plays. He, uses, he used his special status, Philippians Two describes this. He did not regard this sort of power and influence he has as something that he could use. It says to his own advantage, as something that I'm going. He's going to do for himself. But instead, but instead, he became a baby, a baby that would grow up to be poor, to be a servant, a servant who would ultimately die. He used his power, his influence, not to establish himself but as a means by which he could love us. He didn't get involved in this battle. We're battling him, and he's reaching out to us. The passage continues. Colossians 1, verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So everything was created by Jesus and for Jesus. That's what he was to do. That's something that he did. And here's what he is doing now. What he is doing now is he's creating new life and reconciling us back to him. 
We have Jesus the creator taking and making everything that is out of nothing. By, by, by words, God speaks the universe into existence. And everything that is, is spoken. And, every, and, and, and life and this universe comes into existence. And this same Jesus is still creating all throughout the New Testament. All, all of these images of what it is that Jesus Christ can do for you. They aren't teaching images. And Jesus can teach you things. And there's something that you didn't know. And Jesus has got some great advice. And if you, if, you, if you tried this and it didn't work, you should try this over here instead. And maybe this will work and be better. It doesn't describe Jesus as a help. It doesn't describe him as a support. Jesus is someone who takes things that were old and makes them new, which is impossible. He takes things that are dead and creates life. Something that is impossible. Something that just can't be done. Except by the creator God of the universe. By the creator God of the universe. So he's not out here just tweaking our behavior. He's not out here just kind of encouraging you and giving you good advice. He is turning the old things in you and regenerating them and making them new. He is taking the dead parts of you and, and, and giving them life. This is what the creator God, Jesus Christ, is doing for you. He is, these, these, are, these are some of these words that we use, these kind of these theological words, regenerating you. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says it this way, that if anyone is in Christ, he's, he's new. The old things are gone. New things have come. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a better version of my old self. I am following Jesus Christ now, and he is creating someone new. And then he goes on to use this word reconcile. It says he is reconciling to himself all things. To reconcile, basically, he is getting back something that belongs to him. He's, because if, if, if he created everything, and he didn't create it for someone else. He created it for himself. So all of this is his. What happens is he creates something and it belongs to him. And, the, and, and, and that some of the things that he creates, us, we've rebelled against him. We don't, we don't want you. We don't want you to be the one that we exist for. And what Jesus could have done, there's any number of things he could have done. He could have just ended creation. He could have walked away and said, well, that's on you, bro. He could have just gone to some other space. And created an entirely different universe. Tried again. But what he created us, we rebelled against him. And it says that he, is, he reconciled. He went like, I want to get back what belongs to me. It is, it is mine. I, I, I want it back. And again, we think about that here and it describes it here. by He's making peace through his blood shed on the cross. He died for us. But this moment begins at Christmas. He saw the rebellion. He saw the separation. And he says, I'm going to step down from here and into here. And I'm going to go down there and get them myself. He takes the responsibility for reconciliation. My wife and I, we're now we're old enough 
that um, we have Thanksgiving at our house, that we have kids who live somewhere else and then can come to our house for Thanksgiving. So we had Thanksgiving at our house this year, and our, and our, and our, our, our girls were there. We have three girls, 26, 23, and 12. And we were all there together. And there was a story that I'm not sure how, it just kept getting retold. I'm not sure how it came out the first time. I didn't realize how impactful it was, but it was when our older two were probably around Layla's age, our youngest, probably about 12 and 9, somewhere around in there, before we even had Layla. And we were a big American Idol. We were a big American Idol, like huge American Idol family back in the day, like in its, like in its heyday, like in those early years. We were huge, and we would, we would watch it, everything. We, 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 had a, we had a system by which we voted. We voted a lot. We were very much into it. Uh, but the special thing about it was, in part for them, was that very often some of these episodes went past bedtime. But you could stay up. You could stay up on special nights so we could watch American Idol. And um, normally it would be like, okay, this one night in particular. Okay, American Idol's tonight, but if you want to watch it, before, before it happens, I need you to do these three things. And then being kids, they were, they were good kids, but they were kids, right? They chose not to do those things, and so no American Idol. And they're very sad, and they're in their beds, and this is right before it's about to come on, and I go in there, I bring them both together, and I was like, I want to I talk to you something about what we talk about at church. And um, you probably hear this talk about the word grace and mercy. I want you to tell you what grace is, is when God gives you something good that you don't deserve. And mercy is when God doesn't punish you, even though you deserve the punishment. And you didn't do the things that you were supposed to do. And you're sad. But I, 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 I want us to be able to do this together. But I want you to understand that this is not me being a pushover. And then maybe you, know, you can talk to Heidi, maybe even the kids. Maybe, maybe, that, maybe that's up for debate. Maybe dad's just a big softy and a big pushover. But I want you to understand that this is, this is, this is grace. That I'm coming to you. And I, and I want to make things right, but not because based on anything that you did. But it's just a gracious gift that I want to give you. And they're sobbing their eyes out, and they're crying, and they're very, very sorry. And we watched American Idol. And you know what I thought? You know, at the time, that's a pretty clever pastor-dad sort of move to kind of parenting style. No idea. 13, 14 years later, this is like a core story for them. And we start talking about it. They start, we, start crying, we start crying again. Because there is something beautiful about that kind of idea. About the offended one coming to reconcile the one who did the offending. And when it says that Jesus is reconciling all of us back to him, that is the picture. Done anything? Not that we have. Creator of. He is the one that has been. He stepped down where we were, and by His grace and His mercy is reconciling what is back to him. Thanksgiving to Christmas, start. I want us to start with a bigger view, a bigger understanding of who Jesus Christ is. 
beyond the good teacher, beyond the miracle worker, rabbi, to the Son of God that created everything, to whom I owe everything. In rebellion against him, down, baby, live this life, be back with us. To expand our hearts and minds and believe in a much better probably many of us have. And then I want us all to be reconciled. And if that is not something that you've ever done the first time and you really, your relationship with God I'm trying to live different. I'm trying to do better. I'm trying to know God's teaching. But I've not been reconciled to him through his blood on the cross, through his death for me. Pray that, that today could be your day that you ask Jesus to give you. And have new If you can be a new. And for those of us you have done that once, we still find ourselves time to time and, and, and many rebellions focus our hearts and minds on being reconciled and united and being thankful for a creator God who God, I thank you. Thank you for your son. Power in the universe. The power we see in the new we have through him. And God is even as our brain just kind of with what it means that Jesus was fully human. The mystery of the Trinity. And God in three persons. God, even as our hearts wrestle with the, the details. I'm drawn towards worship. A worship of your son. Recognition and appreciation of him as all good things. We would reconcile to you and live reconciled lives. Thankfulness for the new life that we have, not only through death and resurrection, but by him coming here in the first place, through his incarnation, through his coming here as a baby. And we love you, God, and are so thankful for the new life that we have with you through him. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us on our sermon podcast. And you can learn more about us at thegrovechurch.org. And if you go to thegrovechurch.org slash connect, there's a form you could fill out. Just let us know that you've been listening. And if you want to dig deeper on some of these topics that we cover on our sermon podcast or just in other 
issues of dealing with culture or theology, those kinds of things, uh, you can check out our Cultivate podcast. It's on the same feed, um, however you found this particular podcast. So again, this is Charlie, the lead pastor at The Grove, and thank you so much for joining us.